Welcome to another episode of the Completely Cricket Podcast. Today we've got two segments for you, one on the IPL as usual, it's just a weekly roundup, and one on Brendan McCullum recently becoming England's test head coach. And do we think is it do we think it's the right um, move? Do we think it's uh, do we think it could have been someone else who's better and things like that? We're just going to talk about generally Brendan McCullum, his impact that he's going to have, and you know the potential like relationship with Ben Stokes as um, captain. Uh, in the IPL um, weekly overview, we're not going to do our usual like standings, then highlights of the week and predictions. We're going to focus on two key matches that we thought would like di- dictated the um, play of the IPL and dictated the um, people who qualified for the um, top four. Obviously, it's not confirmed yet, but these like the two most significant matches for us. As usual, please like, subscribe and tell us what you think about episodes. We'd love to hear what you guys feel about it and where we can improve. Without further ado, let's get started. So for me, my match that I thought was most important last week was Punjab Kings versus RCB. It actually happened yesterday and um, it was a it was a very good match because um, whoever won that basically kept the... Um, just increase their chances of qualifying for the top four and therefore going to the um, eliminators and and potentially winning the IPL. And um, Punjab Kings did win. Uh, I think they scored something in the near, I think, 200s. I think 209 it was. And um, uh, RCB uh, pretty much, will, at the start, looked like they could chase it and then sort of collapse to 155 for nine. So it was a pretty big win, 54 runs. Punjab Kings haven't been the most consistent of teams in this IPL. And until like a couple of matches ago, it didn't look like they were going to, they were in the running for qualification, but they have put themselves in and they're actually very close because they are two points behind RCB who are at fourth, but they um, have one match in hand. So if they win that and due to their superior net run rate, they could be in fourth. So it's completely likely. Uh, we've talked about like why this match was important. Uh, highlights this match, Dave, what would you say your highlights of this match would be? Yeah, so, so a few few um, excellent performances, really. You know, we had two excellent batsmen from England. Um, Liam Livingston, he scored 70 of 42. And then we also had Johnny Bairstow, 66 of 29. So two, two very powerful, powerful batsmen and two very powerful innings as well. So those were two good performances. And then there was also um, Wendu Hasaranga from RCB, who had figures of 2 for 15 or 4 over. So... It was it was quite an interesting match, really. We had um, we we had um, um uh, Punjab Kings who uh, got themselves to I think two hundred or so, and like these these two Livingston and Bairstow coming from England, I've been really impressed by Livingston especially, like his his like style of batting. I really, I really enjoy watching, and he just like his fearless nature that I've I've, I've sort of talked about this before as well. I really really like that and. Yeah, 70 or 42, it's an excellent knock. And we've seen other performances from him as well. And yeah, I really, really those, those are probably the uh, standout performances for me. Yeah, that, that's fair. Uh, Liam Livingston's been uh, probably the one main constant in the Punjab Kings team, except for probably Rabada, who's just been generally pretty good around the entire season. But um, yeah, Liam Livingston, 70 or 42, not the most, you know, explosive of knocks but it's obviously you can see by 70 or 42 is a, a very good strike rate so it's impressive innings but like it's it's um also shown one that where he survived a lot of balls he hasn't just you know swung you know scored like 26 off 10 for example and just got out he has survived a long time he's played that um role where he started early and he's played throughout the entire innings which is something that's really important for any team in the IPL. Coming on to Johnny Bairstow he's had a by his standards he's had a pretty bad IPL season would you agree? Definitely, like I think this might have been the only innings he's really 
he's shown that he is a good batsman. I like, I mean, I'm interested. Like, he's, he's really been struggling, and yet Pendrup Kings, Pendrup Kings, and kept them, kept him in the team. And it's not even like I don't think he's the keeper either, which is also a, a big factor. Like normally, if I'm thinking of bringing Johnny Best in my team, I would think, yeah, maybe, maybe he can, he, maybe he could take up that keeping role. But he hasn't done that, and um, he's not a keeper for Pendrup Kings. And it's just this innings, you know, he, he, he's got to use this innings as like a confidence booster. To uh, in any in the last last few games coming up, and if he can if he can do that, and like if he can continue on the, these runs, and you know pick up where he left off uh, yesterday in his, ne- in his next game, then I think it'll be even better. But yeah, overall he's not had a great IPL, and ideally he'd want to you know improve that, change it for the English summer coming up as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that um he just needs uh t- he needs time in the crease. That's something that he hasn't really had. You know, uh, if if he gets if a batsman gets you know thirty balls, forty balls as as Johnny Besto can get, then you know you feel really settled in the crease. You don't have to start explosively. No one expects that from you know a top order batsman. You can start a bit more sedately and then build up as you get you know into the, into the innings. But if you get out with five after facing five balls, three balls, ten balls, that's just not enough time, I think. And that's something that Johnny Besto has really been lacking. He hasn't been able to build a, a significant innings. Everyone knows how good he is, but. He needs these runs in the last few matches of the IPL just so it can give him like some confidence going into international cricket. We've got like the Test Series versus New Zealand, England versus New Zealand. You've got like um, World Cups coming up. You know, he's got to get some form in, in him so he can be you know confident for um, uh, international cricket. We talked. To, um, you mentioned Wanindu Hasaranga, two fifteen or four. The reason why I think this this um, spell of his was probably um, one of the best I've seen. Is considering um, considering uh, Punjab Kings scored more than two hundred runs. So that's more than ten runs and over. He one Indu Hasaranga went at less than four runs and over, and I think that's just ridiculous because you'd expect if a team scores two hundred, all back uh, all player bowlers to go over like eight, ten runs and over. Obviously, there'll be some who go slightly lower, but less than four runs and over and taking two wickets. It just shows how the batsmen just uh, know that he's really a good quality bowler and are willing to either play him out or just try and attack him, but just can't. And that's just shows testament to his skill. What do you feel about Wanindu Hasaranga and how his season's been? Yeah, he, he's had a very good season, right? Like, um, often we see, you know, two for 15 or four overs. At first, sort of thinking, yeah, it's a good, it's a very good spell, but we, we see a lot of it. But as you mentioned, you know, Punjab Kings have got over 200, which makes this spell even more effective. And, you know, that four overs, that's a fifth of the innings. And, um you know, just just going for fifteen runs in a fifth of the innings, like that, that's that's really good. And then he took he picked up two wickets with that as well. So yeah, especially this match, that was an amazing spell to be able to restrict so many runs. Uh, depending on the fact that um there, there was a high scoring um a high scoring innings for Punjab Kings, and then just overall, really, I think uh, throughout the season he's been looking very good. You know, with his variations and um just the way he um confuses batsmen sometimes you know he a lot of batsmen they, they struggle to pick Saranga and I feel that's what makes him really effective and he's had a great season excited to see him coming back in DIP next year in the coming years as well mm, I agree and I think he's really starting to justify his um uh, I think they paid uh, RCB paid nearly um 10 crore for him 10.75 crore I think it was and he's played 13 matches 23 wickets an economy of 7.48 in the top five wicket takers, that's the best economy. 
So that tells you something, you know, the amount of control he's having over games. And if he keeps playing like this, you know, even, even obviously, even if he doesn't take loads of wickets, economy for me is what I would expect of a spinner, like of a leg spinner and just general spin in IPL. I wouldn't, if they get slogged for 10 runs and, uh, 10 runs and over and take two wickets, it's pointless. But if you don't take any wickets and get hit for, you know, three, four runs and over, that's amazing. That's what we want because it gives control to the bowling attack. And yeah, I think he's 100% a player for the future. One thing that's disappointing me, though, is his batting. Honestly, he's batted at number five and six, possibly for Sri Lanka. And this is in test cricket, ODI and like T20. So he's batted up high. But in the IPL, for some reason, he's batting like eight, nine. And it's not giving him really any chance to score any runs. And just to get some like get balls in him, because he is a capable all-rounder, 100%. He showed it on international level. So if he can do it internationally, I think he should be able to do it in the IPL. So I, I'm a bit confused why RCB are batting him so low. You know, he can he can hit the ball very hard and he can also, um, especially with RCB, who don't have like the strongest batting order. He can really add a bit of depth to their batting. But anyway, with his bowling returns, that's more than enough to keep his place in the team. So he doesn't need to worry about that. So, yeah, that was um, main focus on the Punjab Kings versus uh, RCB. We haven't really talked a, a lot about why, you know, how RCB lost. It were, why they like, why did they lose? Why did they not score, you know, 200 runs and possibly win the match? For me... It's, it's basically another top order, you know, losing wickets quickly. They RCB don't really lose wickets like in like a, in a couple of overs, they lose three or four. It's more just regular wickets at regular points in the time. What what would you say like was the main thing that made RCB lose that match, Zaid? Yeah, it was it was a lot of batting. You know, it, it, it happened a lot. You know, recently you know, at the beginning of the season, RCB they did pretty well. You know, with their buying and batting, they're looking pretty good. And, just, just as the season progressed, they just last few matches, especially, they've been looking quite light with the bat and quite like struggling. You know, someone like Barack Hurley, we, we, we all know he's an amazing batsman, but just this season, he's really struggled. And even Faf Duplicy, you know, he's had a couple of good innings, but apart from that, he's been struggling as well. And also, just like the yesterday's match, it was, I think, a little bit of uh, the bowling as well. You know, we, we did talk about Hasaranga, and that was great, but also there was a little bit of not not just bowling in general, but I think some pace bowling. So we, we had some spinners. We had Glenn Matsby got a wicket. Uh, Hasaranga got two wickets. And then uh, Shabazz Ahmed, he got a wicket as well. So it was really just like the spinners really that helped RCB to uh, actually have an okay bowling performance. It was just really some of the pace bowlers. They got absolutely whacked. You know, like Joss Hazelwood, he went for 64 in his four overs. And even Siraj, he went for 36 and two overs. And that's like nearly half of the runs in just six overs. And I think that was something that really, especially in that match, that, um, RCB, they really struggled with. And someone like Josh Hazelwood, he he bowls, he, he's not like, sometimes you don't think of him as a T20 bowler because he just bowls like nice, uh, hard length. And sometimes you think that, well, length, um, length balls in T20, well, batsmen just hit it and, is hit it for six, and that's what happened in this match. But you know, length balls can be effective. But for me, I just think Hazelwood isn't really a T20 bowler. For me, I think he's more of a test bowler, and I think maybe even an ODI bowler. But for me, mainly he's a test bowler. But yeah, in, in this particular match, you know, the pace was especially for us to be pace was very difficult. And really, the spinners that you know had had um, kept the runs uh, tight and you know got most of the wickets. So. That, that's why I think why RCB really lost that match. I think that's fair. Um, you picked up on two key things. Start with um, Faf Duplessis. 
He's uh, RCB's top scorer, 399 runs, an average of 33. Not very, you know, not incredibly amazing, but it's pretty decent. You know, he is their top scorer. But in the top 20 um, run scorers, there's actually only one representative from RCB. And that just shows you the lack of runs scored by RCB. And that's just, and it's a bit ridiculous because 20 team, uh, 10 teams, 20, you'd expect roughly around two to be um, two batsmen or more, especially for um, the better teams in the top four. You'd expect three, three, maybe four batsmen to be in the top uh, 20 run scorers in the IPL but uh, this season. But only Faffers are the only representative of RCB. So it sort of shows how they're batting struggling. Uh, you also picked up on Josh Hazelwood. See, a couple of a couple of episodes ago, we're talking about him scoring, what, four for 20, uh, taking four for 20 or four overs or something like that with his hard length. He didn't change anything up. So what's the difference now? Isn't he not a really good... If he can take four for 20 or four overs and completely decimate a, a bowling attack, why is he getting smacked now? See, the thing is, like, I think the, the reason he got whacked yesterday was because... He came up against a batting lineup that's powerful, you know, Punjab Kings. Johnny Bester, he was he was going hard at it yesterday, and Liam Livingston as well. You know, these these two batsmen especially, they, they scored the bulk of the runs and they they were going pretty hard at the bowling attack and they at any lots of pace. They were just absolutely killing out the round. So that's something for Josh Hazelwood. If if he he comes up against some hard hitting batsmen, that's something for him to work on. I think because. He just got to. He, I think he just has to bring up, bring up something else. You know, he can't just bowl the same line, um, the, the same hard length all over every single time. Firstly, because it becomes predictable. You know, every batsman w- will know by now that he's just going to come in bowl test match length. And also the other thing is just, um, what's it like? Um, length balls, as I said, you know, a lot of powerful batsmen will just whack it, and that's exactly what happened. So something for, for me. At the moment, I don't think Josh Hazelwood is a T20 bowler, but if he brings up something else, you know, maybe, maybe if he if perhaps he works in a Yorker or has a, slow, has a slow ball, something like that. But if he just has one other thing, I think he can, he can, he'll be a pretty good T20 bowler, you know, at the top, he can bowl this hard length, but also have, you know, a change up, he can have a go at, and I think that will make him much more effective because at the moment, it's just, you know, if he comes up against a hard-hitting batsman, he's just really just going to get whacked with his uh, length ball. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Variation is key in T20 cricket. Most good fast bowlers who take wickets always have a lot of variation. And it really helps them, you know, it keeps the batsmen on their toes. Uh, let's go on to the second match. Uh, Lucknow Super Giants versus Gujarat Titans. Say, what was the score for this match? And could you give us a brief summary of the of the match? Yeah, so it was the, it was the battle of the top two teams um, in the IPO and um, the two new teams as well. And it's a low-scoring encounter. Uh, Gujarat Titans, they batted first and they... They put on 144-4 in their 20 over. And at, that, at the halfway stage, you know, Lucknow would have been thinking, you know, they, they've got this, you know, that's not a huge score. You know, Lucknow could have got it, but, you know, it wasn't to be, you know, Lucknow, they got skittled for 82 um, in, in 13.5 overs. And, you know, it was a, it was a low scoring encounter in Lucknow. I think that's the first time they've really looked a bit uncomfortable, especially with their batting. You know, with their bowling, looked good, but their batting, I think, looked a bit uncomfortable first time, really. And, yeah, that's the brief summary. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much that's covered all the aspects of it. Um, you're right about luck now. They've generally their batting, it, even if top order get batsmen get you know start going out or something, they can still put a good total on board. That's something that's really helped them. And um, 
But yeah, restricting Gujarat to 144-4 was testament to Lucknow's bowling. It's very good bowling. And that is 100% a chaseable score. Probably 20 runs uh, under par. But um, Gujarat Titans themselves have uh, like uh, probably the best bowling attack in the IPL at the moment. So uh, they, you know, and both facing Gujarat Titans was just going to be incredibly difficult. And um, Lucknow did just completely collapse. And 82 all out, it's not really, it's not really Lucknow to be fair. Like that's not something I'd associate with Lucknow. But nevertheless, because they face top team, they are still second. So they're, I think Lucknow. I think I'm not sure how many how many more points they need, but I'm pretty sure they're going to qualify. I think it's, it's going to be unlikely they're not going to qualify. So oh, we talked about why this match is significant. Top two teams in the IPL, both those teams want to be finishing first and second. It doesn't really make a difference what the order is because first and second get priority in terms of um uh, the semifinals. If one of them gets uh, they play each other first and second play each other and even if what the team that loses gets another chance to qualify for the finals so um it's very important to be in first and second uh the key performances to highlight uh for me i would say rashid khan's four for 24 of 3.5 overs because rashid khan has been economical throughout the entire ipl but this is the first time i think i've seen him take you know up to his normal standard of wickets like a very very good bowling performance from him so, uh, yeah, I think for me, that'd be Rashid, Rashid Khan's four for 24. Uh, Zaid, would you say any other significant performances? Yeah, so there was also um, Rashid Khan, yeah, as he said, he, he bowled very well. He got four wickets, which is something we haven't seen much in terms of wickets. Another performance was Shubman Gill. He got 63 of 49. And we, we've just seen him yet again. You know, he's been impressing with the bat a lot. You know, it's we've talked about as consistency at times, which is fine, you know. As a young player, he's got so many years ahead of him. He can work on that consistency. But I think for his age, he's just got to, like, um, as long as you're able to score runs, you know, there's no point, you know, being stuck at, you know, a consistent game, for example, 20 or 30. And you'll have an average of, like, 30, but not getting the big run, which is exactly what Shulman Gill is doing. I think, you know, that, that's, that was obviously an excellent performance. And we've seen other performances from him as well. He got 70 or 80. Or he's had some big, big knocks this IPL. And, I think that's very promising looking to the future, looking, you know, when he wants to uh, go go to India, you know, play play for India. And, um, yeah, it's been look, looking like a very good performance. And uh, just if, if he can um, work out consistency even more, that would be amazing. So, yeah, that's that's the main performance for me, I think. Yeah, I think that, that's very fair. I was just going back onto bottom the Lucknow and Gujarat's bowling. I was looking at the top five most economical bowlers. And in those, there are two who are from... Uh, Lucknow Super Giants, and there are uh, two from uh, one from uh, Gujarat Titans. It's just testament to their bowling. Uh, Moisin Khan, 5.19 uh, economy overall this IPL with 10 wickets. He's played six matches. Krunal Pandya, 12 matches, nine wickets, 6.56 economy. And then those are two Lucknow Super Giants and R- Gujarat Titans, Rashid Khan, as we mentioned, 12 uh, matches, 15 wickets, 6.79 economy. That's actually pretty stunning. I honestly, I I, you wouldn't, you would never see this type of uh, thing from any other two teams. If you look, picked at any two teams, they just wouldn't be this consistent. And the fact they've got such low economies show the amount of control they're having over the games. It's like, it sort of reminds you of like CSK of previous and uh, Mumbai Indians of like IPL 2020. Uh, so the, it's got, they've got the control that a winning team would need. So both of them could easily, one or the other would, um, mo- those two teams probably have the best chance of winning the IPL, I think. But um, yeah, that's, that's true. And we've just got to just got to see them keep that consistency. Uh, yeah. So um, 
players that we want to talk about just in a bit more detail that um maybe question positions things like that which we want to talk about we talked about Rashid Khan um a bit you know talk about his wickets and he hasn't really taken that much that many wickets this season the 12 12 matches 15 wickets is a good haul but last season I think he took around 21 wickets and in 14 matches so unlikely he's going to match that this season but it's somewhere nearby uh so we talked about Shuman Gill as well uh Hardik Pandya um I think it was a uh, you, Zaid, you were thinking about um, him opening the bowling, uh, but only bowling one over up front. Could you explain that in more detail? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so he obviously he plays for a good at Titans, and he opened the bowling with Mohammed Shami, who he played bowled three overs. He had a great day as well. He got a wicket for five runs, which was excellent economy. But Harik um, Pandey, he bowled one over and opening the bowling, which I find really weird. You know, is that not just a waste of an over, I feel? Like, why would you open the bowling and only bowl one over? Like, at least bowl two. And it's like, it wasn't even a bad over as well. He bowled, he, he bowled an over and went for eight runs. So I found that really odd. You know, he, I mean, if for me, it's just a waste of an over. Maybe give that to, um, you know, a, a, another a bowler, you know, someone like, um, Yash Dio, you know, he's, he's a young bowler, he's been getting some wickets, you know, just anyone really. But I don't think there's any point in bowling just one over up front, especially. And it's just a bit odd for me, yeah. It is a bit strange, but to be fair, T20, the way it's working is like they bowl one over, then no one bowler, they, they bring in bowlers quite quickly, they don't really go for spells. Uh, honestly, just considering that, um, they won and they got them all after 82, I don't think it would have had too much of a significance. But on the, on the talk of um, Hardik Pandya. Since leaving Mumbai Indians last season, I think he's had a pretty much a really big revelation. You know, he was used as in um, used by Mumbai Indians as like a number six, seven, come in, try and smash it, slog it, increase their run rate. He did come in um, last season a couple of times earlier, but honestly, it wasn't really. He didn't really ever look comfortable. To be fair, like I wasn't. I wouldn't say that if he came in early and with like ten overs left of the match, I wouldn't say that he would be able to score like a seventy off uh, or or sixty off. 30, 60 or 40, I just wouldn't really feel like it. This season, however, he's actually looked like a proper, you know, a very good batsman. What do you think, um, do you think uh, he can sustain that for the next couple of IPF seasons? And how do you think that's going to impact his um, India uh, international career and, you know, where he's going to bat for India? Yes, it's been, it's been a new um, role for him coming in at number four. Um, sort of at, sort of just as the top would finish it, he comes in and he, he just gets lots of time to you know, he gets at least 15 overs, 16, 15, 14 overs, something like that, to, to bat, and, which is excellent. You know, he, he just gets more time to score runs and that gains um, adds to his confidence. You know, when um, when he goes back to India to play international cricket, you know, in India will be looking at that. You know, he's been, he's been doing well in the higher middle order, number four. Maybe he can come in, um, play for, bat for India, you know, maybe number four, number five, something like that. He could even have a go at number three if, if India really need that, but I think um, it's it's really nice. And sometimes you, um, sometimes as as a player, you know, especially us two, you know, sometimes as, um, young younger players, you know, uh, international players, they they um, are often given a role that they 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 just do, because, but they don't actually know if that's actually for them. And um, it's just sometimes like um, maybe oh, you know, Hardik Pandya, he, he's always been known for. You know, coming in at six or seven, giving it a bit whack, and yeah, that's fine. He's done a good, decent job of it. But um, you know, maybe you know a better role for him might be coming in at number four or five because he's been doing very well. And to be able to score runs, and 
you know, he can still bowl a little bit, and that's not an issue. But I think for 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 next few years, he can he should be more of a, a batsman. Uh, for Indiana coming at number four and just give him much more time to bat because he he can do it. We won't, we've we've seen him this IPO, and I think that's just sometimes you know, as a as a cricket player you've got to look at you know what what is your role you know what is your best role not what your selectors want you to do. Mm. No, I agree. I think he's in that type of uh, he's in that period of his career where he's in his like best form. He can't. He, I don't think he was really used enough in uh, with Mumbai. I just think he was like because they had so many like, top order batsmen, it was working for them, and you know they were all scoring runs. But now they, if if he continued and stayed in uh, with Mumbai, I think he would have made a huge difference because um, with Mumbai's batting on looking incredibly shaky this season and just not looking like it's good enough, um, he would have been easily promoted to four and you know been given those of time to bat. But anyway, I think that's it for our IPL segment. We're going to go on to the second segment now. So we're going to start talking about um, Brendan McCullen, who was uh, actually appointed as England test head coach in the last couple of days. Um, we, we talked about uh, an episode, we did an episode on um, Ben Stokes and Rob Key and their impact they're going to have and how it could be different to Root's captaincy. Um, it, it will, I think it'll be in the link uh, in the description below. And uh, we, we did talk about that, but we haven't really spoken about um, test head coach just because it wasn't announced and it was recently announced now. Brendan McCullum, um, England test head coach, what would your initial reaction be say, to that appointment? What would you initially think? Yeah, initially I was slightly shocked. You know, I don't really, I don't really agree with the fact that he's test head coach. You know, he could be a coach. I think he's a better white ball head coach, and he's got much more experience doing that. I mean, he's been, he's, he's, he's coaches KKR, and um, he's just, you know, just as a player when when he used to play, he was more I me, mean, he's more of a white ball player, and he's just got so much experience in the white ball format. I'm a bit surprised why he's not the white ball. Uh, coach instead because you know the test test cricket for England has been a very not obviously very very bad season a very bad uh, they've had a really bad time of it you know in the last year or so and they want someone who has a lot who's got experience in um in test cricket or has experience being a coach in test cricket or something like that and I don't think Brendan McCullum has that so I don't I don't I, I initially I don't agree with this but you know, we'll, we'll see how it all progresses. You know, if um, we're very interested to see you know, how England do against um, New Zealand in June, that I'll be very interested to see how McCullum goes about things. So, and also the other thing, um, what's really important for me is like the relationship between the captain and the coach. So that'll be another interesting thing to see. You know, how how does that progress? So, yeah, so I I, I disagree really, but we'll, we'll see. I think it progresses. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But uh, honestly, for me, initial reaction is just going to be um, we need someone more experienced. We honestly need someone. If we look at Australia's predicament in 2018 after like Sandpapergate and and they had a huge, um, those people had to, were banned. They had a, need a new captain, new coach. Justin Langer came in and he really instilled discipline. He made them into one of the best teams they've ever been in all three formats, honestly. And they recently won the T20 World Cup. Uh, uh, they've been always been doing consistently well in ODIs, test, they've been doing really well in, so they've been very good but the reason why he was Justin Lang was successful is because he his knowledge of the test, uh, of the cricket in general was very good and and we need someone like him who has that experience who can do it, 
Brendan McCollum, it, it's, it's, a, it's a gamble. It's a gamble um, uh, putting him as test captain. It could obviously work and we'd all be wrong and we'd be just saying, you know, oh my God, he's done such an amazing job. But on the other side, we've got to be cautious. It's, we're not really in the situation where we can, you know, we have, it's not as if we've got a good platform and are willing to, you know, gamble with it and then uh, look for something even better. So if we're like, you know, doing decently winning like half test matches, for example, we're not winning a single test match. I don't really think we're in the position to gamble with who our, who our head coach is going to be because they're going to dictate how we play. You know, they're going to dictate the, the style of our batting bowling, the way we go about things. That's really important role. So honestly, I would have preferred someone with more experience. Well, Brendan Cullen has had like 100 test caps. So he's, he's a good batsman, uh, a good, sorry, a good test. He's played loads of test cricket. That's not, that's not a doubt. We're not doubting that. But in terms of coaching, which is a completely different thing, he's coached KKR. They've had mixed fortunes, to be fair. Like, I wasn't really... They've done well. They did well last season. This season, uh, been in the middle. They had done well in periods of times. If, for example, if you were to put, like, as your white ball coach, someone like Mihaela Joe, who's been MI coach for, like, five years, they've won, like, three, three, three IPL titles during his reign, I think. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been, you know, even forget about this season, it's just generally been very good. If you put someone like him as your... Um, head coach you could justify it because you know he's been pretty successful I don't think Brendan McCullen is really justified I'm not sure I just it, it could be it could 100% be good but I, I don't know so in terms of we talked about experience a little bit you know when you want someone experience do you think that that it's going to impact Brendan McCullen's head coach the fact that he hasn't had enough white ball coaching oh, sorry red ball coaching experience do you think it's going to impact the way he goes about his coaching or do you think he has his own idea and like a way of go- style of doing it? he's got an idea what do you think that the issue is that like he sometimes the coach needs experience in in what you're going into like he doesn't have a lot of experience you know test head coach test coaching he doesn't have his experience in that so it'll be difficult for him it might i mean might not be but initially it might it looks like it's gonna be difficult for him when he goes into it to you know, help uh, England, you know, sort of the rebirth of England, which is what we're looking for, to you know, just just get better and like just restart again. And Brendan McCollum, I think he's for the moment. I don't think he's he's gonna really do that too easily. I think that's gonna be a little bit difficult for him. And I I really I think he'd be much better as a white ball coach because that's more you know powerhouse stuff. I think he's much more experienced in that sort of sector as well. But yeah, as you said, it's not really justified. And I think it'd be difficult for him to you know, come up with ideas, you know, help um the England players to, you know, mentally and you know, as a as a cricketing team to you know, improve and get back to the top. And Brendan McCullum, I think he's just gonna struggle a little bit and we'll see how things go. But initially, you know, it, it, to me it feels like I just be and I think it'll be a little difficult for him to yeah, you know, coach a testing. Mm, I think an, another reason why he picked the test, why he wanted to do test, um, he does have the credentials to a degree. I think it's also because in as a white ball head coach, what would his role be? He wouldn't. He doesn't have. He doesn't have to really implement his style as much. The white ball teams are sorted. They all they need is someone who can sort of guide them through any losses, try and bring up younger players. So as people start retiring, you know, Owen Morgan is going to be playing for like another five, 10 years. He's, he's, going to, he's, he's coming towards the end of his career and you've just got to sort of refresh the team every once a bit. So it's, it's more, it's not really a, an actively, you know, I've got to completely change the style of this and, um, and completely, you know, make it different. It, it's not really that. It's more like a, I'm going to, I'm going to help them as much as I can, just guide them through, 
you know, getting uh, for the next World Cup and, you know, the, the every World Cup process, you know, the, the, every four-year cycle is. And then uh, with the T20 team as well, you know, they, they, did, they lost in the semis uh, last World Cup, this World Cup trying to win. There's not really too much to be done. Yeah, there are certain like questions on it, like maybe finding a, a, a bowling replacement for them, like Chris Jordan, who's been like generally not up to the standards he has been in the last couple of years. I think um, he's he's just, I think he's sort of coming towards his end of his career. So it's not really a, a huge role. That's what I'm sort of trying to say. But so I think it's more of a challenge for anyone who wants to do test cricket, uh, manage the test cricket team, because um, so, because it's just too much. It's a lot to be done. And if he does it, oh, it would be amazing. But I don't think there's going to be huge expectations on it either, just because everyone knows it's a difficult project. It, it, there's not going to be, we're not going to start the moment he comes in. We're not going to start winning like 12, 10 tests in a row. It's going to be a slow process, but as long as we go upwards rather than downwards, I think that's all we want. So obviously we've got the test head coach now, the, the white ball head coach. Who do you think is in the, in the um, mix to be the white ball head coach, um, Zaid? Uh, yeah. Who do you think is going to be in the mix? Yeah, it's a very difficult one. I think you just like as, as I mentioned before as well, it's just got to be someone who, you know, uh, just just is able to continue guiding England through. You know, they're, they're obviously by cricket, they're fine. You know, they they they're not struggling at all. So it's just really got to be someone who can continue that, or maybe someone you know, maybe someone like Mahalia Jai Warden, who has a very she's had a very successful time with Mumbai Indians. Now the difficult thing is maybe he maybe now is not the right time for Jai Warner to come in because, you know, Mumbaians have struggled a lot this season. So maybe he wants to continue focusing on Mumbaians for the moment. And then, but for future, like if, if Mumbaians, like maybe, maybe two years ago, this, this situation was happening, then I think Jai Warner would be a huge, like um, a huge contender for this role. But at the moment, you know, he might not be, but you know, it's just going to be someone who either has some success, you know, experience and success doing um, coaching in white ball cricket, you know, someone like Jai Warden who's won loads of IPLs, but uh, it could also be someone who is just, you know, um, is able to just uh, continue the process and, you know, not like test cricket where England just needs to have a restart. Um, it's got to be someone who can, who can just continue the process, bring up the younger players, as you said, and just got to be, Someone like that, and you know, none of no no names spring to mind immediately. But you know, there's always loads of people out there. But th- those are two um, things I think you know is either going to be one or the other. Mm. Kumar Sangukara is another one. Uh, I think Rajan Royals head coach. They've done pretty well this season. See, with Mihaela, it's been a five six years, so it's all that's all the time where you try and look for something new. So I think it's easily possible. You, know, you don't te- at the round the five six year period. It just tend to in, in jobs and like in terms of coaching as well in cricket it's just sort of like a period where you look for something new and you end it so I think there's a real a very realistic chance he could be it but um also Rob Key uh, who's the managing director of England uh, of the ECB um he did mention you know he's interested in like um you know he wants to see more homegrown coaches so that could lead away for Paul Collingwood to be the ODI T20 um head coach and Paul Collingwood had has a huge amount of experience in all three like formats of playing and he also, you know, he's also done, he's also um, been assistant coach to Chris Silverwood and uh, when, when he was, um, when Chris Silverwood, uh, before he got sacked and he, um, Paul Collingwood did lead England um, in the last couple of test matches. So there is, there's a realistic possibility, but um, 
homegrown coaches, there is just isn't too many options as a homegrown coach. Um, but England coaches, there aren't that many. So I think you're going to have to look outside and then sort of work on increasing the amount of homegrown coaches there are. So lastly, I think what we'll finish off with is, so Brendan McCullen, what would you say are the pros of him being an England test head coach? What does he bring to the table? Because we haven't really, we've spoken a lot about negatives, you know, he doesn't have much experience, but what does he actually bring to the table as a head coach? Well, for me, you know, we we did say like he doesn't have experience in the test sector, but overall he does have a lot of experience. You know, he has played a lot of test matches um, when when he was a, a player, and you know he's got experience with coaching in general with KKR, so he has he definitely has some idea of what he's doing. Um, he has some you know he, he could bring some ideas you know um, from what he's learned with KKR. Obviously, you know it's T Twenty cricket that's different, but you know, there's always some similarities. Um, you know, McKinnon, he could bring some of that you know, style um, of coaching to, you know, the test, test cricket. And you know, that, that, that'll be very interesting to see what he does. You know, some, you know a new coach means new things. Um, uh, he's just got to, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Another thing, I think, you know, his bonding with the players. And I really like that with KKR. I think he's got a good, a good bonding with the players that he, you know, talks quite nicely. He really, um, he really uh, focuses on the players a lot and they, they have a uh, good bonding. So that's another thing, you know, I think that's what we bring to the table. And, you know, he's definitely got, you know, I, I still, um, I think like he, he might, he might struggle, but um, obviously he, there's a lot, everyone brings to the table. There's a lot McLaren brings to the table, you know, he's, he's a calm, he's calm, chatty, cool, cool um, person. He, um, has a good bonding with the players and he's got lots of experience. So yeah, that's what I think he brings to the table. Yeah, I think I was just looking at um, KKR last season as well. They actually did um, pretty well. They uh, qualified fourth um, and actually made it to the final in the end and were runners up to CSK. So it was a good season for them. So, you know, Brendan McCullough shown he's a, a capable coach and he's had a decent amount of experience. For now, all we can do is just we, we got to we have to look for next season. Um, sorry, for test test matches in June. We don't really know what's going to be changed by then, but there's going to obviously be um, new players, new faces. Brendan McCullum will have an idea who he wants in the team. So will Stokes. He's also mentioned like Borden Anderson he wants to have back in the team. So we're going to see a slightly different England team, but an England team with a new leadership and basically a fresh England team. And it's a new, it's a clean slate for them to score, uh, sorry, to start and to win test matches. And that's in the end, all we want is for them to climb up the test rankings to play um, good quality test cricket, score good runs up front, you know, first inning, score a load of runs. Uh, Bowling-wise, just bowl economically, take wickets. Don't um, you want a good spinner who can, you know, not get completely slogged by a batsman? Uh, yeah, so we just we generally what we expect from test team. That's all we want. And as an England fan, uh, we've just got to hope for the best, basically. But we we can, you know, we there's enough talent in the England team, and it's we've got good coaches, good captain, good managing director. We just got to see how it plays out. Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of um, the episode of Complete Cricket Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you did enjoy it, please like, subscribe, uh, share with anyone who loves cricket. And yeah, tell us tell us what you think about Brendan Cullen and um, his appointment.